Backman, as I was just saying to you and to everyone that's listening, I'm uh, I'm dog sitting for a friend, so obviously I'm not in my studio with my good camera and microphone. I'm also under the weather, so uh, the video and audio quality is going to be a little less, and my hosting quality is going to be a little less. So, um, but. Mr. Bruce Sackman, who you were in one of my, you were my first 20 guests, and um, I think my subscriber count has about doubled since the last time you came on. So, could you introduce yourself for all the new listeners? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm happy to hear that it's doubled, and I'm not surprised because <laughs> I think you do a really good job. Thank you. Uh, hosting this. So a little bit about my myself. Uh, I am the retired special agent in charge. <laughs> of the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Office of Inspector General. And I was responsible for all major criminal investigations involving the Northeast United States. So that means all the VA hospitals and medical centers and clinics from West Virginia to Maine. If there was any criminality, serious criminality, then that was my responsibility to investigate and I have, I had five officers across that area that reported to me. So I retired from that job in 2005 and then I went to work for a major healthcare system in New York as the director of their internal investigations. And I did that until 2020 and for 15 years and I thought I was just going to just retire mm-hmm. but I found that retirement is not really for me it's for some I get it but it's not really for me so um I recently got appointed as the uh, assistant inspector general of Nassau County Long Island so that's my life in a nutshell and <laughs> and and we <clears throat> So for uh, yes, and you have an awesome book called Behind the Murder Curtain. For anybody listening, I highly recommend it. It's all about taking down medical serial killers, and I believe you and I touched on this loosely, probably about a year ago. Um, but I kind of want to go more in depth, and I'd like to hear your take on it about um, what you said, fraud relating to COVID. Yeah, sure. You know, in in every disaster. In every disaster, there's always a small amount of people that will take advantage of that. And they will use that situation to make money, to commit fraud. I remember we saw it right after 9-11. And remember how terrible 9-11 was. But there were people not only claiming that they were there who weren't there to get benefits, but they actually organized crime was stealing things right out of the site that was there, including some of the people who worked there. And it's, it's, it's so heartbreaking because the overwhelming majority of people involved in this disaster relief are the most honest, hardworking, dedicated people you could ever imagine. And it's so unfortunate that all their outstanding work gets tainted by this very small group of people in every disaster, I don't care what it is, who will take advantage of it. And of course, COVID-19 is no exception. And I'll give you another, a number of examples of this, all right? One of the first ones I ran into was uh, a traveling nurse. Now, what is a traveling nurse? Well, I'll explain it to you. When COVID hit, there was a severe shortage in many locations of doctors and nurses because the hospitals were overwhelmed. I mean, there were beds in the hallways. Things was just as terrible as as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. And these wonderful doctors and nurses were working like 24 seven around the clock. And it was brand new. They really weren't quite sure what all the right therapies and everything would be but they, they, they work so hard to do a great job. And what happened was because of this shortage, a number of hospitals were looking to recruit nurses from other parts of the country. Maybe they were retired, maybe they were unemployed <laughs> at the time to come in and work in the hospitals and help because there was such a shortage. Right? And these people 
they were traveling nurses and they would travel from one state to another state and they would go into the hospital all all with the idea of helping save lives and overwhelming majority of them did just that uh-huh. now when they would come to a new hospital some of them may not really understand that that hospital the new hospitals policies and procedures how they did things but eventually they would get acclimated and they would really try their best but in this overall universe of wonderful dedicated traveling nurses there were a few that traveled for another reason they didn't really travel to help patients. They traveled to obtain narcotics Jeez. for themselves. Narcotics that they couldn't get because either they were fired from another hospital or they resigned from another hospital. But because it was such a crisis situation, there really wasn't time to do that as a thorough background investigation as you normally would. Because the people are coming in and they're dying. And we yeah. need nurses and doctors right now. And I could understand that completely. Yeah. So let's talk about this one traveling nurse I met. We'll call her Brandy. That's not her real name, but Brandy, okay? So Brandy came into a hospital in, in the New York area to work in the emergency room. Because that's where all the people are coming and that's where they need help, okay? And she was very, very personable and people liked her but they noticed that she seemed to spend a lot of time in uh the narcotics area in the medicine cabinets and they said well you know maybe because she's brand new maybe because she doesn't really understand the procedures and all all right maybe that's the reason now in order for a nurse to withdraw narcotics from the medication area they need to have a signed order from a doctor. Mm-hmm. So a doctor has to, so let's say Dr. Bruce has to say, all right, you know, morphine is the right drug. Here's a prescription. Go get your morphine. Because the nurses administer the drugs, not the doctors. But the doctors write the orders. Now, the only exception to that is if there's an actual emergency. Let's say there's an emergency and no doctors are around. And you have to get the drug for that patient. It's a must. So you go into the electronic system, all right, and you indicate that it's an emergency, and you withdraw the drugs. And the drugs come from this machine, kind of looks like a giant Pez dispenser for drugs. You put in your code, and a little tray comes out, and you take out the drugs, and then you indicate who the patient was, who the doctor was that gave the order. Mm-hmm. And if there is no doctor, there's an emergency. Now, what happens if you withdrew the drugs and you thought that you needed it for an emergency, but it turned out you didn't need it? So do you return the drugs to the cabinet? No. Yeah, you can't. What you're supposed to do is waste the drugs. And they're supposed to be a witness. So once you take that, that emergency drug out, it's supposed to be wasted either in the sink or other special areas they have. And somebody is supposed to witness that it was wasted. It's a good system when it works. So what happened was that um, she went into the system. And I want to read to you exactly what what she did here. This is from one of my old, old reports, right? So she enters these overrides in the system claiming it's an emergency for these drugs, all right? Hydromorphone, morphine, fentanyl diazepam, midazolam, propofol, and diphyhydramine. A total of 11 vials and or syringes from the emergency department were identified as having been potentially manipulated due to tops missing or visible puncture holes. And I'll explain this to you in a minute. When tested at the hospital pharmacy, these vial syringes contain less than the label amount of volume. Testing determined that the drugs had been replaced with sodium chloride. What'd she do? She'd go in, she'd take out the drug, she'd walk around with two syringes, mm-hmm. right? She would take out the drugs from one syringe and the other syringe she had was a saline solution and she would put it back in there and put it back in the drawer. And finally, 
finally some nurses realized this, right? Nurses had realized this and they called me. And that's when I hopped in my car and drove to the hospital and met Brandy, the traveling nurse. Jesus. And Brandy, the traveling nurse, not only took these drugs for herself, but remember the patients now who were supposed to get these drugs weren't really getting the drugs yeah. they thought they were getting. They were getting the saline solution that she had inserted back in the vials. That's okay. a that's another level of of right. It's one thing if you're stealing drugs, right? It's like okay, you know, everyone has their demons, and it's not that's not obviously not good. It's theft, but man, now you're it. It turns from a victimless crime to yeah. Now you know. Now someone's yes. not getting. Then they're only getting it. You're only getting a syringe of morphine if things aren't going too well, right? You know, and now you're taking that from them. I know. And <coughs> so she finally admitted this to me what she did. And then she told me this is not the first time she did this because she did this in Missouri where she came from. But she was about to get fired, but she quit. So there were no charges leveled against her, nothing. So when when we took this statement from her, the first thing I did was call up the local narcotics prosecutor in New York and said, hey, this woman needs to be arrested. And the response was, you're right, Bruce. But here's the problem. All my detectives are out with COVID-19. Jesus. They're all sick. There's nobody available. And even if we did arrest her under the new New York State bail guidelines, she'd be released on bail anyway. So we can't get to it now, Bruce. And oh, by the way, the courts are closed anyway because of yeah, COVID. Yeah, So she left. And I, and after that is, is when I left working. I don't know what happened to her. As far as I know, she could be working in another hospital right now. That's probably exactly what she's doing. Why would she be doing anything other than that? Now, I heard eventually the prosecutor decided to file charges and go after her, but I don't know what happened. I don't know if they ever pursued it. I don't know if they ever followed her. But this is an example of how, look, how many wonderful nurses traveled, left their homes to help help people. And here's an example of someone who said, Eureka, now I have an opportunity yeah. to steal drugs, just like I did the last time yeah. when I was in Missouri because of this crisis. Yeah. And she actually took took drugs during the crisis when staff was busier than ever, the hospital was busier than ever, and they had more sick patients than ever. It's... I mean, there. I mean, there are stories of defense contractors in World War II selling defective rifles to the U.S. Like U.S.-based companies selling defective rifles to Uncle Sam. So these guys are storming Okinawa with a gun that doesn't shoot. I mean, it exists. Oh, it did. It did. Hey, look. You know what? The whole false claim law. You know that 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 you talk about this. This is a way where it actually goes back to the Civil War. But it's interesting you mention that. Back in the Civil War, the Union Army was getting all kinds of defective equipment. All right, from these vendors that really didn't care. They just wanted to make money. So Congress adapted something called the False Claims Act, which in essence says, if you defraud the government. You are guilty of this crime on a criminal basis, but there's also civil charges and the government could go after you for treble damages. So if you defraud the government of $100,000, they could go after that $100,000 plus add three times that amount to the amount of money that you owe. But there's something even better with the False Claims Act. There's something called a Key Tam lawsuit. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. Key Most Tam? people have not. It's spelled Q-U-I-T-A-M. Okay. Actually goes back to English common law. It means he who sues on behalf of the king and himself. 
And this is the way it works. Let's say you're an employee of that defense contractor that's selling those defective arms <coughs> with the defense department, all right? And you know that they're intentionally doing it. Well, there's two things you could do. You might go to management and <coughs> tell them to stop it. And maybe they'll say thank you and give you a certificate suitable for framing for being a good employee. Yeah. Or you could file a key TAM lawsuit. Now, what is a key TAM lawsuit? This is the way it works. You go to an attorney and you say, attorney, I know that my company is intentionally defrauding the government. I know that they're intentionally producing substandard products to the Department of Defense, to a hospital, any government institution, it doesn't make a difference. And this is how they do it. And you lay out the steps because you're the inside guy. You, mm -hmm. you know how it works, right? The lawyer will then go to federal court and under seal, which means it's like a secret lawsuit, under seal will file a key TAM lawsuit. And that key TAM lawsuit lays out the allegations that you just came forward with by saying how your company is defrauding the government. Then the government has a couple of options. They could pursue the case criminally, civilly, both or not pursue the case at all. The interesting thing is, if they pursue the case, and if you win, if the government wins, you can collect up to 25% of all the money that was collected by the federal government <coughs> as a fee. Oh, holy shit. Right? Okay. When I was at the VA, I had seven of these cases ongoing involving the VA and VA contractors. One of them involved a pharmaceutical company that was involved in something called off-label drug marketing. And this is what off-label drug marketing is. Let's say the FDA approves a certain drug, but it's just for one particular ailment, all right? So let's say they, they, they let, let, let's say it's for a sinus condition, all right? And the FDA approves the drugs for that. But the manufacturer is convinced that the drug is good for many other things. Well, it's also uh, good for hair loss and it, it's, it, it, it's also good for sexual dysfunction. It's good for all this. So what they do is they will market that drug to doctors, not only for what the FDA approved, the sinus condition, but for all these other ailments that the drug company is convinced or wants to convince the doctors that they're good for, mm -hmm. all right? And that's called off-label drug marketing, and that's against the law. Because you're marketing a product for something the FDA did not approve its purpose for. Okay. So I had one of those cases, and the person who filed the lawsuit, they're called the re relator. So if you file the lawsuit, you're, you're the relator. The relator got $25 million as a reward for relating that case to us, $25 million. In fact, I was just involved in one of my current job where somebody saw that a vendor was cheating the government and they got about $150,000 for their reward. So if you ever see these commercials on TV, they say, if you know about any fraud against the government, against the hospital system, against the Department of Defense or any government agency, contact our lawyers. We are the whistleblower experts mm -hmm. and we will file this key TAM lawsuit for you. It's incredible. It's great for the relator. It's great for the government because the government wouldn't know about these yeah. frauds if people don't come forth and tell us. So it works all around. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing called key TAM, QUI. T-A-M. So, all right. So the, the real smart job move is go get a job at a defense contractor. Keep an eye out. Or, man, if you really wanted to get tricky, you could try to, you know, without a footprint, try to get your company to start taking shortcuts 
and then sell them out of the government. Well, you got to be careful you because have to if be, yeah. you're an active part of the fraud, then you're yeah. not going to get it. Oh, no. It would be delicate. It would be a delicate process. But, man, if you it could. But if you were, and it doesn't have to be just defense. Remember, any yeah, yeah, government yeah. agency, any government. Yeah. And a lot of states even have their own state version of key towns, yeah. right? So any fraud against the government, any government agency, if you know about it, and you could point the government in the right direction, you could do well. What's what's and this is we're getting we're going to veer off for a little bit, but man, I wonder how effective Keytam is against um, like the Department of Defense, uh, the black budget, you know, for classified things, for special access program things, you know, like the stealth bomber when it was in uh, development in like 1979. Like, what happens when there's something that is, like, you know, even the president barely knows about? Like, who's going to go Who's gonna go whistleblow that, right? You're going to go tell a court, but it's going to be that your act of telling an attorney is enough to land you in Guantanamo. <laughs> you know what? I've never even thought of that. Um, I've never run into it. But yeah. I must say, that's a very interesting thing to ponder. Yeah, I mean... Interesting thing to ponder. Yeah, really? I mean, and there's no such thing as anonymity because you know if there's a program that only a hundred people in the world know about, and all of a sudden they get a subpoena, they're going to be, and it's all compartmentalized. And then there's only there's only two guys working on the landing gear, and one of them hasn't left the office. Hey, Tommy, did you go talk to an attorney this week? Oh, what are you talking about? Well, only two people in the world know about this landing gear, and now five do. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's how you end up in ADX Florence or something. But you can see what an important law this is. Yeah, sure. Because this incentivizes people to come forth like they've never been incentivized before. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful, wonderful law for law enforcement and for the society in general. You no, know, it, really it, it is. It would be interesting to see an equivalent, if it doesn't already exist, uh, be proposed or put into place within the government. So, like, you know, a whistleblower on, um, you know, like unconstitutional activities, mm. you know, because they're often punished. They're often jailed. They're often, I don't know. I mean, again, you'd have someone like a, a Snowden, right? It's people either love him or hate him. You know, some people look at it and say, oh, he exposed the national security state. Other people say uh, he's a Benedict Arnold, right? So... I, I don't know, but we're we're veering way off. I'm sorry, this dog's jumping. No, up no, on that's me. that's quite all right because it's all part of the the frauds topic. Yeah, that we're yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all part about fraud. So let me give you some yeah, other sure, examples. Sure. Um, unemployment. There are how many hundreds of thousands of people on unemployment um, across the country? All right, because of COVID nineteen. Look how many restaurants and businesses so terrible so many people wound up on, on on unemployment and because it's a crisis that means often that many of the safeguards that are normally utilized to verify and corroborate claims were not utilized because it was a crisis situation all right and once again, the bad guys take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. So one day I'm sitting at my desk and I, I get a, a phone call from a physician who says, you know, Bruce, I just got a letter from New York State Unemployment saying uh, that my employment benefits have been approved and here's how much money I'm getting. He says, but I never ever applied for unemployment. Uh, and why is it saying that I'm getting this money? I never applied. Well, the next thing you know, my phone's ringing off the hook. Doctors and nurses and employees all throughout the healthcare system are getting notified by New York State Unemployment that their benefits have improved and the checks are going out. But they're all actively working. None of them has ever actually applied for unemployment benefits. So what the heck is going on here, Tommy? What the heck is going on? Then I find out that this is going on in almost every state in the union. Jesus. Involving millions and millions 
of uh, claims of unemployment insurance that were totally, totally bogus. And this is what they, they think happened. They think happened. Remember a couple of years ago, there were some big data breaches, uh, big data breaches about some, some of the, the firms that um, have all your financial information, you know, the credit reporting yeah. bureaus. Equifax. There was a breach. So they believe, the law enforcement believes that result of maybe some of that breach, they got Tommy's home address, date of birth, social security number, and where he's employed. And what they would do is unknown to unbeknownst to Tommy, they would file a claim for unemployment insurance, new address, which was their address, or a post office box, or sometimes um, the money would be sent in a uh, in in like a, a card, like a gift card. So it wasn't even checks; it was. It was such a rush to get, excuse me, to get money out to people that the government was, that was their number one priority, get as much money out to as many people as possible. It turns out that people in prison were getting unemployment insurance. There have been literally millions of these cases throughout the United States involving billions of dollars. I think California got maybe hit the worst and then about three weeks ago, my daughter-in-law comes to me and she says, um, I just got a notice at work that they have my claim for unemployment insurance, except I'm still working and I never filed for unemployment insurance. <laughs> so my daughter-in-law got one through her organization, all right? So this is a major ongoing COVID-19 scam. It involves the unemployment insurance program and again, a well-meaning desire to get as much money out to as many people as you can results in fraud. Mm. And I'm not the only one. All, all, all my contemporaries knew that once these programs came out, they were going to be right with fraud. We know it. Yeah, We know it because once you drop all the safeguards that you develop over the years in an effort to get money out fast, you're going to pay for it in the long run. Yeah. And that's what happened. You know, another another program is this PPP program. Mm-hmm. You've with this PPP program helped a lot of businesses. You know, it's the pay, a paycheck protection plan. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is that if you didn't have any income because of COVID and you have employees that you can't pay and rent that you can't pay, the government was actually giving you money to make those bills and to pay those people under the Paycheck Protection Plan. And the way it worked is that you would have to send in a copy of your last tax return to show how much money your business earned and what your expenses were and all of that. And then based on that, the government would technically lend you money, but in reality it was a gift mm-hmm. because they would waive most <laughs> Right. It would give you the money. So, so if you had 10 employees, Tommy, you could keep paying those 10 employees. You had to prove to the government that you had those 10 employees, mm-hmm. i.e. the W-9s, W-2s, whatever. So as soon as this came out, we knew the what are the bad guys going to do? They're going to take advantage of this. They're going to create all kinds of bogus paperwork Mm -hmm. to send in the government. They're going to claim they had 100 employees when they only had 10 employees. They're going to claim they had multiple corporations when they only had one corporation. They're going to take advantage of this immediately. And that is what happened. The amount of PPP frauds is outrageous totally outrageous throughout the country and the justice department they've set up special teams to investigate this and all of that because some companies got loans in the millions of dollars and there are all kinds of stories about guys who created you know bogus corporations and listed all these employees they never had collected all this money and then was seen at the local ferrari dealer <laughs> buying ferraris and yachts Again, 
all these well-meaning programs, uh, people will take advantage of it, and it's 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 really terrible. It's you know what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Tony. No, no, no. I, I was. Yeah, it, it's always a small number that seems to destroy it for everyone, but that almost kind of seems like a it's almost like a physical law. But I was thinking with this, like my mind kind of looped back to the Ketam. Man, what if they found out that there was a like coordinated fraud with this uh, the stimulus bill, the third one, one point nine trillion? Let's call it two trillion. Man, I guarantee you. I can guarantee you at least, at a minimum, 10% is fraud is going to be Absolutely. Well, at a minimum. I mean, you got to think of, and this isn't a left or a right thing. This is just yeah. these sleaze balls, right? These sleaze balls in the Senate, right? You've, if you can send, you know, however much of that stimulus bill is going overseas to NGOs and other countries, I mean, come on. You don't need two brain cells to see. Yeah, you know, the low-hanging fruit is, oh, I can't believe they're giving uh, they're giving our money to gender studies in Pakistan. But it's not that's not where it's going. It's going there, and that program is going to make a donation back to the senator who helped pass it. In reality, it's the senator is facilitating from the treasury to his own pocket. It's just got a couple pit stops along the way. Man, what if some congressman or woman came out Found out that there's fraud. Man, twenty five percent of two trillion, <laughs> just like that. It's interesting you say that, Tom. I often wonder why somebody would want to raise millions and millions of dollars for a job that pays two hundred thousand dollars a year. Huh? Why? It really makes you scratch your noggin, right? You know. Like I would normally, if, I, if Guess- somebody said. It, well, this job pays two hundred thousand dollars a year, but you have to raise twenty million dollars to get it. I don't think I would be interested in that. Yeah. But maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit more than that two hundred thousand dollars I'm going to see once I get that job. What are you saying, Bruce? Are you saying that? <laughs> <laughs> are you saying that gets a little hairy in there? That they're not all upstanding Boy Scouts? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. It gets right. Well, I mean, because the logic would dictate. If you're capable of raising $20 million, why would you not pocket the $20 million? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, well, because that might be small change. Well, that, well, that's exactly, well, that's exactly why. Anyone else, if it cost me $20 million to go get a job, well, geez, man, take that $20 million and then screw the job, right? Job's only worth $200 unless, unless it's not just power. You're you're in control of the coffers, the United States government. You can kick a trillion here and there. It, it <laughs> must be an interesting world to, it, to live in. It, it must, must be. be it it must not all be squeaky clean. And this, which to me is just shocking. The idea that they might be corrupt, hearsay. <laughs> well, let me let me talk a, a little bit more about some of the COVID nineteen. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when COVID nineteen hit. All of the governments and the medical centers, they were all competing to buy this PPE, this personal mm-hmm. protective equipment. And there were only so many vendors that had it. So the bad guy said, oh, here's another opportunity. Let's say that we have it, even though we don't. Yeah. Let's advertise that we have it, even though we don't. Let's get substandard products from China or God knows where and say that they meet all the specs and guidelines and sell it as such because it was supply and demand. The demand was small. I'm sorry, the demand was huge and the supply was very, very small. So businesses, governments were calling up looking for people desperately that could supply the mask and the gowns and the shields I know that our hospital paid probably close to five times what they normally would sure. to obtain this equipment, again, because of supply and demand. So when the equipment started coming in, I went to one of our warehouses, and I've never seen so many boxes with Chinese writing on it Jesus. since, uh, you know, July 4th down in Chinatown. <laughs> They are boxes all over with Chinese writing on. In fact, some companies would actually um, 
lease an airplane, have the airplane fly to China, pick up the equipment and bring it back. That's how much of a shortage that there was. Then it turns out, first of all, a lot of this equipment did not meet the standards when it was tested as advertised. So not only did we overpay for it, but we paid for things that did not meet the standards. And if it was used, did somebody actually get harmed by that? Not really sure. Not really sure. But there were companies that advertised they had like a million masks and the government even contracted with them out of desperation, only to find out that the company didn't have anything, that the whole thing was bogus. They just kind of took took the money and ran. So this was a really terrible example of greed during a crisis. Firms that either lied and said that their equipment met the standards that they didn't, or lied and said they had all this inventory, when in fact they didn't have the inventory. Now imagine if you're one of these nurses on doc- and doctors on the front lines and you can't get a mask, you can't get a gown, you have to keep reusing it. And the hospital just spent millions of dollars thinking they got all the right equipment and either they didn't get what they paid for or they didn't get anything at all. Jesus. And that was a terrible, terrible part. So with all these other scams going on, You actually had these equipment scams going on during the COVID-19. So sad. So terrible. You know, Um, really, really a a terrible part. Yeah, and it sucks because then there are also, you know, that that dilutes the good people. Uh, Two of my closest friends. They have, uh, they, they started their own little tech company. It's those two. They just do all the stuff that technologically illiterate people like myself can't do right they go to walmarts and best buys and they help them you know sync up their security cameras and stuff the point is is last summer they realized that they had the same like infrastructure needed like they had the van right they had the mileage they had the whole and they realized like wait we can just put plexiglass in here instead of wires and we go up and down the eastern seaboard anyway why don't we just start going to gas stations and installing the plexiglass barriers? And they made a killing. Completely genuine, completely just a beautiful capitalist micro, the microcosm of America. But hey, look, there's, there's, there's no crime. There's no, no crime if there's a crisis of helping solve the crisis in a legitimate no, fashion. Yeah, they just pivoted, yeah. And making money, that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. You know, as long as you're charging a fair price and not abusing people, oh, I mean, yeah. that, that's fine. That is, <coughs> nothing wrong with that. It, it's helping society and you're helping yourself. I mean, that's... Yeah, no, it's the, and then, yeah, and then they, they switch back to, to... But, yeah, but then you have people that just abuse it, right? You have, I mean, right, those st- stories of... Because early, like, maybe, like, February or January 2020, there are stories of people who... Uh, Back before we thought COVID was going to come here, people were selling uh, N95s to people in China on eBay, and uh, just gouge. I mean, they're selling like ten bucks a pop. These guys were making hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then all of a sudden COVID came here, and they're all like, "Oh shit!" And no one had any here. But uh, yeah, I think that's why Amazon or eBay took that stuff down. But yeah, so you know what else was online? There were fake cures for COVID. Oh, of course. Fake cures. Either on some holistic medicine cure. Well, those are all fake. Including some, one, I remember one case from a physician's practice out in California who claimed <laughs> they had a cure and fake cures and people would send them money and people would get ripped off because again, during a crisis, people are searching desperately for a cure. Mm-hmm. And if you could be convincing enough that you have the cure, people will pay money. And there were actually many, many fake fake cures. Oh, absolutely. And and sometimes there were fake emails that look like they came from the Center for Disease Control or from the World Health Organization. And in these emails, two things would happen. One, they would say, click here for instructions on how to prepare yourself for COVID-19. And when you click, all that would do is send malware into Mm -hmm. your computer so they could go into your computer and steal all your personal information. Mm -hmm. 
And the emails were very, very, very legit. I'm going to tell you about one of these emails I got. It wasn't about COVID, but I got I got this email and it came very convincingly when I was working in, in, in healthcare. It came from the U.S. Department of Justice in Washington, D.C. And it had the same baloney and said, click here to read about this lawsuit that was filed against your medical center. Now, thank goodness I didn't click. Because if I had clicked, it would have opened up our entire system, all of our medical records, our entire electronic system to hackers with the malware that they would have been put on if all I did was click that. And it was so convincing looking. It looked like it really came from the Department of Justice. So I called up one of my friends who works in the Department of Justice and I said, hey, you know, I just got this email and I explained to him and I said, you know, it says click here. I said, is, is this real? And he said, Bruce, are you kidding me? I work for the real Department of Justice and I got the same email you did. Oh, so, Jesus. <laughs> they didn't care. They sent out millions and millions. And once you clicked, they got into the system and um, God knows what they could have done. And then we're talking, you know, ransomware and um, all kinds of terrible electronic crimes that have occurred even during COVID, of course. And then, you know, there's this whole COVID blackmail thing. I don't know if you heard about this. All of a sudden you get an email and it says, Tommy, I know, I know your wife and your kids. I know where they work. I know where they live. Unless you send me X amount of money in Bitcoin, I'm going to have them infected with COVID-19. I have COVID-19. I've tested positive for it and I know where they are and I'm going to go over and I'm going to breathe on them and I'm going to touch them unless you pay me money. Could you believe that? What the fuck? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus. Jokes you know, on, jokes. And then there's also another scam where they say, look, you, you, you get an email from your State Department of Health. And you know they have these people that are that are tracking people who have COVID nineteen to try to see who else they they may have infected in in their travels. So you'll get a letter saying that you're infected, even though you're not. You'll get a letter saying, "Tommy, you know I'm I'm a tracker. I'm a COVID nineteen tracker for the state, and we've determined that." Somebody that, that you've dealt with said that they, they were with you and they've tested positive for COVID-19. We can't tell you who that person is for privacy reasons, you know. But click here and we'll give you further instructions on what to do. So you're shitting in your pants thinking that, holy cow, this came from the state. It says I have COVID-19. Man, I better click here. And once you click there, your computer is going to be open. They're going to have all your personal information and everything else. See, people stay up nights thinking about this stuff, Tom. It's the amount of ingenuity. Money during a tragedy. The amount of ingenuity and work ethic that goes into creating these scams. Like if you just guided that work ethic and drive to like creating your own company, you'd probably be well off. And you know what? There's emails asking for um, donations to charities you know, in, involving COVID. You know, um, there are many seniors in nursing homes that got inflicted with COVID. And uh, the nursing homes and these poor people, they don't have enough money for health care. They don't have enough money to buy computers so they could talk to their grandkids. So if you, if you please donate to this charity, we will help the seniors in these homes get the devices they need so they communicate with their family. And they show some old guy and his kids are outside waving to him because they can't come in the nursing home and they want donations from you. And, you know, Americans are very generous. I mean, we see this every day. My God, how generous we are. So they, they go into this and they buy this. Of course, it never happens. It's all just a ruse. 
all just the roost take money. I wonder how many I wonder how many traveling nurses have attempted to steal like uh steal vaccine doses with the two syringes. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Look, we know that we know that the governor in New York actually sent uh, some of his top physicians to his family members and close associates to personally vaccinate them. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. G- Google it. You'll you'll see. It's it's in. So, um, look, I'm, I'm 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 sure it's happened. Have you, you know? have I'm you sure seen the happened. movie Contagion? Yes. That's it's a with Matt Damon. I didn't watch that until COVID broke. I, I think I watched it in like April, but that movie yeah. came out several like ten years ago. Right? They they nailed it. <laughs> they nailed it. How it all unfolded. Granted, that one actually killed like ninety percent of people, but they absolutely nailed that. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there is a case in Germany. Um, talk about serial killers. There is a case in Germany where a physician was charged with. Uh, murdering patients on the ICU who had COVID-19. What the hell? Um, He said, in his opinion, you know, they had suffered enough. It was a mercy killing. Um, The families didn't think so. (laughs) You know, so he's been charged, and we'll see what happens with that. But there were at least two, and they're investigating more, patients who were on the ICU that were, their lives were terminated by uh, this physician in Germany. We'll see where that one goes. Watching that closely, we'll, we'll, we'll see that one go. Jesus. I think you and I spoke about this this last year, and kind of we just kind of floated it. And it's and we kind of floated it as a, you know, a conspiracy, which is what it is. This is all wild speculation, not based on fact. But trying to tie in your uh, expertise in your career of busting uh, medical serial killers who, you know, got off to making people suffer. Could could COVID theoretically be, could this just be that, could this be an arson that finally started a forest fire? You know, is there one of these functioning psychopaths that just happens to be a bioweapons researcher and they are just, they're getting their fix every day. It's the kill that keeps on giving. They can turn on CNN every day and watch the death count. Yeah, very scary. Um, you know, look, I, I I don't know. I think most people are very suspicious of the World Health Organization. Yeah. Meaning that, uh, you know, the Chinese Communist Party had nothing to do with this. The lab had nothing to do with it. Now, whether it was an accidental release or an intentional release... I don't know if we'll never know the answer to that. Yeah. Most people are having a lot of trouble buying uh, the theory that it came from the wet market. Mm-mm. You know, uh, just not, it's just too coincidental that their bio-research lab happens to be around the corner. It's just a little, a a little. little too coincidental. So um, I hope one day we get the definitive answer. I'm, I'm, not, sh- I'm not sure if we will. I don't think we'll ever be able to know if it was, in, I mean, unless there's just like, you know, red handed, like smoking gun evidence, like video of someone, you know, <laughs> releasing a vial. But I think most likely in all of my, you know, experience with bioweapons, nil, is it was a, it was created in the lab, just like a million other weapons that never get to see the battlefield. And it got out by accident. It, yeah, you know what? I I think it may have. I'm not sure where it started. I think it went in the lab, and I think it may have been enhanced in the lab. Sure. As, as a you know, as a weapon, it mm-hmm. may have been enhanced in the lab, and then whether it was actually intentionally released or accidentally released, I have no. I yeah. I really don't know. But I remember early on. Early on, when this whole market theory was being put forth by the Chinese Communist Party, I read a, an article, and somebody quoted the Israeli Mossad. Early on, when this first thing out, saying that story is bullshit. It all it all came from the lab. 
I remember reading that story. Now the Israelis are pretty good in the world of intelligence and in, in they're not dumb. Yeah, but they're pretty good in this business. And uh, if that was something that they put out, I tend to give it some credence. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I, I don't. I think there was a lot. You know, if this was a thing that went out and just killed six billion people and ravaged the world. I'd have a hard time thinking it was, unless it truly was like a psychopath to depopulate the world, maybe. But it's so, it's just enough that people die, but it's, it's so, it's like such a laid back pandemic that, I mean, I remember thinking, I was like, yeah, it seems like asymmetric warfare. You have riots in Hong Kong, you have a president who is tackling your trade deficit and currency manipulation that no president's done in the last 40 years. He's messing with your with your gravy train. You don't and you know you can't take the US military wise. Why not release a virus? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no. I I and I hope that didn't happen because that would that yeah. would really be terrible. Cuz that's going to open the door to on the up- it, even if it did happen of course, a lot of people would never believe it, no matter how much proof. If, yeah, it wouldn't matter. Presented, and I don't even know if they would do anything about it. I mean, what are they going to do? The whole world is so dependent on China. Yeah. For so many things, that what are they going to? They haven't done anything at all. You know, I mean, if God forbid, let's say this virus had come from Israel, I feel sorry for any Jewish person, man. They, the whole race would. That'd be done. <laughs> They'd be done. They'd be done. The whole race would be done. It's, you know, and um, so China, look, you know, these idiots that attack Chinese people because they're Chinese and the virus came from them. I mean, they're really freaking morons. Those are some knuckle draggers. Yeah, it's just, you know, the Chinese Communist Party is not the average Chinese person. It's not the average Chinaman. Their their view is is different. I mean, we we love our Chinese-American people. Why are people attacking them they had nothing to do with it you know it's but um people always look for a scapegoat and Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh you know to 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 put the the conspiracy hat on even more snug the first thing i thought well the very first thing i thought as i was like oh wuhan china looked up and i was like oh there's a bio there's a bioweapons lab there like that's that's so right, the, your mind immediately goes to, well, that's a little sticky, right? That's got to be their weapon. But then I began thinking, man, it's almost a little too obvious, right? It would be like if a virus, you know, every day in middle school, when my mom would drop us off, we actually went by the CDC in Atlanta. Yeah. If a virus came out within five miles of the CDC, I mean... It doesn't take it. It doesn't take more than five brain cells for anyone in the world to go. That's an American weapon. So if it's so obvious, to me at least, it begs the question: Was it not China? Was it us? Was it Russia? Was it Israel? And you go release right. It's like it's like if there's a picnic, and you walked over next to it and then farted quietly and walked away. And the one guy there, surrounded by a bunch of beautiful women, they're all like, gross. And it's like, why would that idiot fart around all those hot girls? And it was like, well, maybe he didn't. Maybe it was maybe it was Tommy because he wanted the hot girls. I mean, <laughs> I mean, right. But I mean, it, it's almost a little comical, right? It's like, where's, you know, where'd the bioweapon, where'd the bioweapon come from? Five miles from the Chinese. I mean, to me, that seems like a pretext for, I don't know, someone wanting a U.S.-China war. Like. It seems well, a little. I, I, I hope that we we get an, an an honest investigation, evaluation of what happened, but I don't think it's possible because it, the Chinese Communist Party is never going to allow that. Yeah, you know, and unless somebody comes forth and has some serious evidence that they could produce, um, I don't know if, if we'll ever know. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Maybe I mean maybe it was a rogue. You know, it doesn't have to be a monolith. Maybe it was a rogue researcher, some disgruntled. Yeah, I feel sorry for him and his family if he came forward. 
because the Communist Party would eliminate him and anyone associated with him immediately. If that was the case, he was probably eliminated before 2020. Yeah, if, do you remember early on there was a scientist, <laughs> a Chinese doctor, Chinese yeah. doctor, and then he he expired. Remember, like yeah. he was he was on YouTube and he was talking and he was sick talking and he was saying yeah. what happened, and then he expired. Just coincidentally died. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't know. It. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe the reality is the scariest one of all. And it really was just a thing that happened in a wet market down the road from a bioweapons lab. And that's how fragile reality is. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. You know, but with, with, with all the incidents and <laughs> and everything that we've lived through our lives, we have a tough time believing it. And who knows? I can't say for a fact. Wouldn't that be something? I mean, <laughs> it would be something. I mean... Maybe we would just refuse to believe it. Like a lot of people refuse to believe that Lee Harvey Oswald was the only gunman. Yeah. Knowing there have been a lot of investigations and a lot of evidence to show he was the only gunman. Not that he was the only one involved maybe in a conspiracy, but that he was the only gunman. There's still people who believe there were shooters on the grassy knoll yeah. and shooters here and shooters there. You'll never be able to convince everybody. It's what the author Gerald Posner said, who the author of Case Closed, a book about JFK. I had him on my podcast, and I think it was in his book he said it. Maybe he said it on the podcast, but it was the best explanation I had ever heard. When, you know, when one person dies, it's easy to think that they were killed by one other person, and that's the end. With the Holocaust six million jews were killed but it, it your mind can make sense of it because it's hitler just the, you know the most evil man ever you, your mind balances the equation right it goes oh hitler you know if you heard a really big roar but then there was a cat it doesn't make sense you're looking for the lion so when you have jfk handsome intelligent you know maneuvered her side of the cuban missile crisis you know, they called the White House Camelot. He's sleeping with Marilyn Monroe. I mean, the dude just got like a, a royal flush of genetics, just like perfect. When that guy gets killed by a psychopath like Lee Harvey Oswald, who was above everything else, just pathetic. Your mind can't. How did that guy get taken down? You know, if someone kills Tom Brady, my brain isn't going to let me think that it was just some, you know, fan. You, you're going to go, there was a conspiracy. So when JFK gets whacked, I get the, I get the, the searching for the, the shadowy CIA, KGB cabal, because it, you're, you almost can't, you know, come to terms with that. So if it's like COVID comes out and shuts down the whole world, you know, you almost can't, you're, it didn't come from a bat. Like your, your mind's searching for a bigger answer, right? Okay, you, it could very well be, Tom. Hell if I know. Hell if I Mr. Sackman, always a, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure here as well. Thank you for reminding uh, viewers about the book, Absolutely. Behind, the Murder Curtain. Behind the Murder Curtain. It's on Amazon. Go get it. I legitimately enjoyed it. It's terrifying. Actually, I don't know. Don't get it. It might it might scare the shit out of you. It uh it uh it definitely scared me. It's all about medical serial killers, you know, these guys with body counts, 70, 80, 90, true psychopaths. I mean, it is some shit that you'd watch on like a drama series, but it's real. And it's Mr. Sackman busted him. It's it's all true. And I don't know if, if you saw, Tommy, the episode that there's a show called um, Very Scary People. Very Scary, Scary People is on CNN, HLN. And the last two shows of that series are on Swango. It's oh, yeah. called License to Kill. And you'll see me on there, and they, they, it's done really well. It's two hours. Okay. Two hours about Dr. Swango, who killed about 60 of his patients throughout the world. Jesus Christ. Well, to get a chance to watch that, it's, it's really good. Jesus it's, it's really done well. That's terrifying. It's, again... For everybody listening, grab the book. I'll put it in the description. It's fantastic. It's terrifying. And it's uh it's eye opening. You realize that it's not all peachy. There are some 
there's kind of like what we talked about today, you know, the one bad apple. It's uh, it's what you, you describe a lot in your book is like, man, these guys are true demons because they know where to hide. You hide amongst the doctors, which in our social structure are the highest caste, right? Intelligent and they help people. It's like you can't get better and they hide amongst them. Exactly. It is. Well, all right. Thanks. Thank you very much, Tommy. Always a pleasure. Of course, my man. Let's wrap this one up. And um, in conclusion, we have no idea where COVID came from. So uh, if anyone was hoping for our thesis, that's it. We don't know. The thesis is go buy the book and don't steal narcotics. That's all I take away from this. <laughs> all right, Thanks, Bruce. Tommy, be well. Thank you so much. God bless. Take care. Bye.